I'll say, bless the Lord. And if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Uh, We'll just take a deep breath in. Try to calm your racing heart and mind and be fully present. Kairos uh, is a Greek word that loosely translated just means God's keen sense of timing. Often where we see time, God sees timing. And that, when we're living in a committed relationship with Jesus, that, from our perspective, can lead to some conflict sometimes. There's times when we don't feel like we're ready, yet in God's timing, he's pushing us and calling us out into a future we're not sure we're ready to step into. And yet there are other times when we've been ready, willing, and waiting, and for some reason, God's timing is not aligning with our time. And that creates some conflict, and I think that's okay, and that's a healthy tension, and so we want to be a place where you can honestly and uniquely connect to God and each other. Speaking of conflict, has anybody been on social media lately? (laughs) Gosh. I'm getting old. I'm not, uh, I'm not as socially and media savvy as I should be. Some of that is boundaries in my life. Others of that is I'm getting old and crusty. Um, but I, I do dip my toes in the water sometimes. And I have to confess to you recently in this season of life and our nation's history, it is not restoring my faith in humanity. Um, whew, there is lots of conflict and lots of unhealthy and inappropriate responses to conflict. I, I have no problem with conflict. I have no problem with healthy discussion and differing viewpoints, but the way some people are handling it, you're just like, Ugh. Uh, Our family, um, for Lent, we usually try to take a social and media fast uh, for the entire season of Lent up until Easter, and I'm thinking about starting Lent tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think... What I want you guys to hear tonight, and uh, we're going to hear this straight from Scripture, is simply this. You were created for commitment, and commitment creates conflict. We were created for commitment, commitment to God and commitment to each other, and that commitment will create conflict. And the reason I bring that up is because I think so many of us see conflict when it happens as a reason to step back from our commitments. Or we decide we're not going to commit because that might ultimately create conflict, and that's one of the reasons why we're so gun-shy about committing and then addressing in healthy ways the conflict that it naturally brings about. Especially sometimes in this age demographic, right, we have this unrealistic idea that if God will just bring a relationship into my life, then I'll never have to struggle with all this conflict. And in fact, just the opposite is true. Usually when that person shows up, the conflict has just begun. Um, I've had the privilege of marrying uh, a a lot of people, um, and one of the most dangerous things is when I hear, well, we've never gotten in a fight before. Uh-oh, <laughs> here's a counselor I would like for you to see, and they're going to get you to pick a fight. <laughs> um, because we were created for commitment, and commitment uh, creates conflict. And so in our text tonight, uh, the author of Hebrews has got two short verses, I think, that are just 
going to rock our world. And so we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. And tonight, hopefully, we can get to a place after uh, singing God's gospel and hearing his word that we can say, I quit avoiding commitment and I quit avoiding conflict. So Hebrews chapter 12, as you're turning there, I'd love to pray for us. Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Make every effort. I think what the author is reminding his congregation about and what I would like to remind our congregation about, especially this time of year, is that it requires effort when we want to live in a committed relationship and when there's conflict. This is a story, by the way, from Genesis to Revelation, that we were created for commitment with God and with each other, and guess what? That commitment creates conflict. And it's these men and women struggling through that with God and with each other and trying to figure out, can we live God's dream and live at peace with all people? I'm reminded of uh, Allen Iverson, retired NBA star from the 76ers, uh, when he was asked about his weight training regime during his time in the NBA, and his response was, yeah, I tried that once, but it was just too heavy. And uh, I, I feel like a lot of us sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, a relationship with others, and we're meant to be image bearers of God. We're meant to bear his glory. The Greek word there is kavod. And one of the ways you can translate that is heavy. That we decided to try to live the Christian life and just found out, wow, that's heavy and it creates conflict. <laughs> no thanks. Not realizing that God wants to transform us from one degree of glory to the next. And that community and consistency actually requires effort. Or as Tim Keller likes to say, hey, everybody says they want community. But the second you mention the words commitment and accountability, everyone's running for the door. And I think what, uh, one of the gospel principles that we like to remind ourselves here is the gospel is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Jesus Christ has earned our righteousness in the eyes of God through his holiness and he has made a way through his life, his death, and his resurrection. He's given us a spirit as his positive things yet to come. He's given us resurrection power so that we can make every effort to live at peace with all people. Now, some of you may be going, well, that's kind of nice for Miss America, but what, what do you want to talk about with me tonight, okay? Yeah, like, we want world peace. Thank you. No offense to Miss America, if you're here. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's just stop that train of thought. But 
If you, live at peace with all people sounds pithy until you realize God has entrusted us with the greatest challenge of the human race since the beginning of time, which is to live at peace with one another and with God. He's designed for us to create outposts of heaven here on earth that point to and portray his glory, his goodness, and his good intentions for all mankind. And he's given us that responsibility. And that's why it's required of us to make every effort. And again, all this is doing is echoing the birth announcement of Jesus Christ that we just got done celebrating in all of our Christmas pageants. Glory to God on the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill towards man. So part of us incarnating the presence of Jesus in our jobs, in our relationships, in our church, in all of our activities is to make every effort to live at peace with all people. Now, I wonder if this isn't why dystopian genre of television, film, and books aren't so popular. You guys know what I mean when I say dystopian? I mean good, because I love this genre. It's post-apocalyptic somewhere, right? All technology infrastructures have failed. All resources, restrictions are gone from the human race, and you've got these band of people. I don't care if it's zombies or sharknadoes. I don't care what they're fighting. But you've set a group of people where the normal rules no longer apply, and the big question is, will they survive, and will they survive each other? And it turns into this ethics and morality conundrums about how they're actually going to make it. I wonder if those things aren't so popular right now is because we are possibly the most technologically, educationally, medically, and financially driven and advanced generation that has ever walked planet Earth. And with all of those resources, we still cannot figure out how to live at peace with all people. And I believe this is at the heartbeat of God's desire and his good intentions for his creation and for his creative. That's why I think one, as author puts it, the final apologetic for the existence of God will be kindness. And what does he mean by that? He says the strongest argument that you can have for the supremacy of Jesus and the reality of God is how much you are willing to make every effort to live fiercely, recklessly, and sacrificially in a committed relationship to God and to one another. Or if you just want to hear Jesus say it a lot more simple way, he said it this way. They'll know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. Now, I imagine at this point, some of you are going... All right, Chris, great. Thanks for this cutesy little pie-in-the-sky, idealistic, utopian, prosperity, Jesus pixie dust gospel, where we're all holding hands, singing some Coke song, um, and just all of a sudden, every problem magically disappears. And uh, you may think this is wishy-washy, subjective morality. I just need to tell you that this is not the kind of talk where we say, hey, in the name of peace, we dilute the definition of love and acceptance so much that it becomes more about writing blank checks for any behaviors under the banner of tolerance. 
Now the air should have gone out in this room the second I say the word tolerance. And I've used it intentionally. And I'm willing to be misunderstood, and perhaps maybe, and that's okay. So let me make sure I say this as accurately as possible. We were created for commitment, and commitment creates conflict because as God's children, we are simply unable to tolerate certain things. There are things that God has told us that his holiness simply cannot tolerate and is an affront to his justice. I'm sorry at this point, I will probably disappoint any of you who are ready for me to point an angry finger at the people out there. What I wanna prayerfully do is point a prophetic finger at me and at my brothers and sisters who unite underneath the banner of Jesus and have relinquished making every effort to live at peace with all people. Our Father in heaven cannot tolerate and we should not be able to tolerate the fact that 2.9 billion people will wake up tomorrow morning on planet earth who have never heard the name of Jesus because the church can't get off its righteous rump. Our Father in heaven cannot tolerate and we should not be able to tolerate that 7.4 million children in the US will wake up tomorrow without a father in their home. Our Father cannot tolerate, and I don't think we should be able to tolerate either, that there are 30 million human slaves in the world today. Our Father cannot tolerate, and I don't think that we should tolerate, that 21,000 children die every day around the world due to poverty, hunger, and preventable diseases. That is the equivalent of the amount of lives lost in the Haitian earthquake happening every 10 days. Our Father in heaven cannot tolerate, and we should not be able to tolerate that there are 140 million orphans in this world. And our Father in heaven cannot tolerate, and I don't think we should be able to tolerate either, that there are 428 children living in foster care. And at the end of this year, 17,000 of them will wage out of foster care and realize this undeniable fact, there was not a family that chose me, loved me, or wanted me for their own. And maybe it's about time we started making every effort to live at peace with all people and start to feel the righteous indignation when God's will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. And our Father in heaven can't tolerate that right now here in our zip code, the last, the least, and the lost, the poor, the foreigner, and the orphan, and the widow, We'll wake up tomorrow morning in an overchurched and undergospeled culture, and Jesus still goes unclothed, unfed, and unvisited in prison. Because Jesus said to us, Whatever you've done to the least of them, you've done it to me. So I wonder if it's not high time we become the kind of people who bring the whole gospel to the whole person anytime, anywhere. Why? Because we were created for commitment and commitment creates conflict, especially with our own self-interest of how we wanna spend our time and how we wanna spend our resources. I want to read this text selectively. I have to confess to you, there, there are parts of scripture that don't sit well with me. 
And I want to make some effort to live at peace with some people some of the time. But the gospel has a bigger claim on my life. And I need to receive the power of his Holy Spirit to become who he's designed me to be. And I think you do as well. And I don't get a God who caters to my preferences and prejudices. I get a God who says that I am holy, other, distinct, and sacred. And I'm setting apart a people who want to be holy, set apart, distinct, and sacred unto me. And that's the catchphrase in that verse. Make every effort to live at peace with all people and be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And thanks be to God, because of Christ's holiness, it now applies to us, for those of us who have received his life, death, and sacrifice. But that still does not relieve us of the responsibility that he has entrusted us with. And it also reminds us that peace with all people, it's not possible or probable without God. So Jesus, when he's quoting the Old Testament, the Hebrew Shema, as one of the greatest commandments that we're supposed to live our life around, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All right, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Love God, love people, love yourself. What I'm scared of is that there's an increasingly consumeristic and humanistic ideology that's masking as theology by reversing that order. God told us to love him, love people, and love ourselves. But what many of us do, in the name of love, but yet sometimes sacrificing truth, say, I'm gonna love myself. So I'm gonna start with me, And I'm just going to accept the fact this is who I am. My preferences and my prejudices, they're okay. So I fully accept myself as I am. I don't think self-acceptance is a bad thing. I just think it comes in the light of who God says you are, not who you say you are. So I love myself. And what I'm going to do is, if anything anybody else disagrees with, they have no rights. They have no claims. They have no objective truth. So I'm going to name what's good and right and what's wrong for me. What I'm going to do is, in order to accept myself, I'm going to determine what is good and what is evil for me. That's the echo of Eden and the fall of humanity, by the way. So then, once you've started there, you want to be forward-thinking and go, hey, let's live at peace. Can't we all just get along? Great. Let me love my neighbor. So when I go to my neighbor, I realize my love for them has to be based on the same subjective morality I've submitted myself to. I can't tell them what's right and wrong. They have to name their good and evil for themselves, even if I disagree with it, even if it hurts me. You, you do what's right for you, I'll do what's right for me. Who am I to judge or condemn? You just do your thing, I'll do my thing. And then we'll get enough people around us who kind of agree with that. And then once we've finally got all that, Let's go find a God who fits into our definition. And your choices are limited. So a lot of people just reject God and worship themselves. Or they just start taking out all the parts 
of any religious system that they disagree with and knit together their own kind of religious expectations. But I think God has a better way. Because what happens when we start here and work our way back, our definition of peace and love shrinks so small that it mainly becomes about what we overlook, not what we have the courage to stare in the eyes and say, that needs to change, starting with me. And I think this is the difficult and dangerous place that many of ourselves find ourselves in. And when we come into conflict, usually we waver in our commitment rather doubling down on our commitment to help us make it through our conflict. We were created for commitment. And commitment creates conflict. It creates conflict within me between who I am and who God has dreamed me to be. It creates conflict when I'm in committed relationships with other people, between how we should love and sacrifice and serve one another. It even creates conflict when we've agreed on all the majors on who, what, when, where, and why we're gonna serve and how we're gonna do that. That conflict is a healthy tension. It's a tension that I look at and go, I'm in conflict because here's how God's gifted me and here's how God's gifted you and I choose not to be threatened by that or to surround myself with people who just look like me, talk like me, act like me and are gifted like me. But I realize that the whole entire body of Christ must come together if we're ever gonna tackle some of these numbers and set up an outpost of heaven where we boldly declare, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And where we lock eyes with one another and we've determined that our highest value is to make every effort to live at peace with all people and to be holy. And that our greatest motivation for that is not some sort of moral superiority or some self-righteous claim that I have access to something that you don't but rather it is one that echoes verse 15 that says, I want to make sure no one misses out on the grace of God. And in the process, I got to make sure not one single root of bitterness grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. And the sad truth for some of us in this room tonight is our hearts are overrun with weeds of bitterness and it's sabotaging your ability to live in a committed relationship that you were created for with God and with each other and slowly but surely you continue to walk away from conflict even when it's the primary way that God is going to reveal truth in your life but thanks be to God Jesus has already resolved the greatest conflict between God's holiness and our sinfulness and his life, and his death, and his resurrection. And he's gone before us, and he's made a way so that he can animate us to life with his spirit so that we can be the kind of people who run and don't grow weary, whose strength is renewed every morning so that we can stand up and say, Lord, help me make every effort to live at peace with all people and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
And I want to make sure today that everyone who comes in contact with me doesn't miss out on one second, one drip of your grace and your generosity because it's so glorious and gregarious. I want everyone to be able to experience in it. And I want to make sure that no bitter root of envy finds purchase in my soul. But because I'm in a committed relationship with you, I have the confidence and the trust that I can step to conflict, not away from it. Amen? So I'd like to provide us with just a little time to listen to what the Lord might be saying to you. The band's going to come, and they're going to play. They got an amazing song that they just want to kind of sing over us to help facilitate this time. And we kind of always just ask as a response after sitting underneath the word of God, two questions. What is God saying to me? And then what do I need to do in response to that? That's what any kind of committed relationship requires in order for there to be intimacy. Revelation and response. And oftentimes the reason we avoid that kind of listening prayer is because of the conflict it creates. So if you, if you need a, a jump start, here's, here's the questions um, you may want to ask yourself. Are there any obstacles in my life right now to receiving the grace and generosity of God? Are there any obstacles? Is there anything that the Lord brings to my mind, bubbles up in my heart, that immediately I know that the Lord has just revealed to me that's an obstacle for me to receive his grace and his generosity. And then maybe ask yourself the next question. Is there any obstacle in your life for making every effort to live at peace with all people and to be holy? Let's listen together.